Hey everybody, so today we will be reading the Chronicles of Narnia, book one, The Magician's Nephew, chapter two, and chapter three. Chapter two, Diggory and his uncle. It was so sudden and so horribly unlike anything that had ever happened to Diggory, even in a nightmare. Daddy let out a scream. Instantly, Uncle Andrew's hand was over his mouth. None of that, he hissed in Diggory's ear. If you start, start making a noise, your mother will hear it. And you know what a fright might do to her. As Diggory said afterward, the horrible meaning of getting out of chap that way almost made him sick. But of course... He didn't scream again. That's better, said Uncle Andrew. Perhaps you couldn't help it. It is a shock when you first see someone vanish. Why, it gave me a turn. What the guinea pig did it the other night. Was that when you called, asked Diggory? Oh, you heard that, did you? I hope you haven't been spying on me. No, I haven't, said Diggory indignantly. But what happened to Polly? Congratulate me, my dear boy, said Uncle Andrew, rubbing his hands. My experiment has succeeded. The little girl's gone, vanished right out of the world. What we have done to her? Well, sent her well to another place. What do you mean, asked Diggory. Uncle Andrew sat down and said, well, I'll tell you all about it. Have you heard of old Mrs. Leafay? Wasn't she a great aunt or something? Asked Diggory. Not exactly, said Uncle Andrew. She was my godmother. That's her, there, on the wall. Diggory saw a faded photograph. It showed the face of an old woman in a bonnet. And he could remember that he had once seen a photo of the same face in the old drawer at home in the country. He asked his mother who it was, and the mother had not seemed to want to talk about the subject much. It was not at all a nice face, Diggory thought. Though, one, though of course, with those early photographs, one could never really tell. Was there... Wasn't there something wrong about her, Uncle Andrew, he said. Well, Uncle Andrew said with a chuckle, it depends what you call wrong. People are so narrow-minded. She certainly got, got very queer in her later life, did very unwise things. That is why they shut her up. In an asylum, do you mean? Oh, no, 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 said Uncle Andrew in a shocked voice. Nothing of sort, only in prison. I say, said Diggory, what had she done? Ah, oh, poor woman, said Uncle Andrew. She had been very unwise. There had been a good many different things. We needn't to go into all that. She was always very kind to me. But look here, what has this all got to do with Polly? Do I wish you all in good time, my boy? said Uncle Andrew. They let my old Mrs. Leafay 
out before she died. And I was one of the very last people whom she would allow to see in her last illness. She, she had got to dislike ordinary, ignorant people, you understand. I do myself. It was only a few days before her death that she told me to go to an old burrow in her house and open a secret drawer and bring her a little box that I'd find there. The moment I picked up that box, I could tell by my pr the prickling of my fingers that I held some great secret in my hands. She gave it to me and made me promise that as soon as she was dead, I would burn it, unopened with certain ceremonies. That promise I did not keep. Well then, that was jolly rotten of you, said Diggory. Rotten, said Uncle Andrew with a puzzled look. Oh, I see. You mean little boys ought to keep their promises. Very true. Most right and proper, I'm sure. And I'm very glad that you've been taught to do it. But of course, you must understand the rules of that sort. However excellent they may be for little boys and servants and women. And even people in general. They can't possibly be expected to apply profound students and great thinkers and sages sages no degree men like me who possess hidden wisdom are free from common rules just as we are cut off from common pleasures ours my boy is a high and lonely destiny as he said this he sighed and looked so grave and noble and mysterious that for a second degree really thought he was saying something rather fine but then he remembered the ugly look he had seen on his uncle, uncle's face the moment before Polly had vanished. And all at once, he saw through Miss Uncle Andrew's grand words. All it means, he said to himself, is that he thinks he can do anything. Anything he likes to get anything he wants. Of course, said Uncle Andrew. I didn't dare to open the box for a long time, because for I knew it might contain something dangerous, for, for my godmother was a very remarkable woman. The truth, is, the truth is, she was one of the last mortals in this country who had fairy blood in her. She said there had been two others in her time. One was a duchess and the other was a charwoman. In fact, Diggory... You were talking to the last man, possibly, who had really had a fairy godmother. There! That'll be something for you to remember when you are an old man yourself. I bet she was a bad fairy, thought Diggory. And added out loud, but what about Polly? How do you harp on that, said Uncle Andrew, as if, as, as if that was what mattered. My first task was, of course, to study the box myself. It was a very ancient. All I knew enough even to know that it wasn't Greek or Old Egyptian or Babylonian or Hittite or Chinese. It is older than any of those nations. Ah, that was a great day when I at last found out the truth. The box was Atlantean. It came from the lost island of Atlantis. That meant it was centuries older than any of the Stone Age things they dig up in Europe. And that wasn't a rough, crude thing like them either. For in 
the very dawn time of Atlantis had, was a really great city of palaces and temples learned men. He paused for a moment as if he expected Diggory to say something. But Diggory disliking his uncle more and more every minute, so he said nothing. Meanwhile, continued Uncle Andrew, I was learning a good deal in other ways. It wouldn't be proper to explain them to a child about magic in general. That meant I came to a fair idea what sorts of thing might be in the box. By various tests, I narrowed down the possibilities. I'd get to know some, well, devilish queer people and go through very disagreeable experiences. That is what turned my head gray. One doesn't become a magician's for nothing. My health broke down in the end, but I got better, and at least I actually knew. Although there was not really the last chance of anyone overhearing them, he leaned forward and almost whispered as he said, The Atlantean box contained something that had been brought from another world when our world was only just beginning. What? asked Digger, who was now interested in spite of himself. Only dusk, said Uncle Andrew. Fine, dry dust. Nothing much to look at. Look at. Not much to show for a lifetime of toil, you might say. Ah. But when I looked at that dust, I took jolly good care not to touch it and thought that every grain had once been another world. I don't mean another planet, you know. They're part of our world, and you could really get to them if you want far enough. But really, another world, another nature, another universe, somewhere you could never reach, even if you traveled the space of this universe forever and ever, a world that would be reached by magic. Well, here Uncle Andrew rubbed his hands till his knuckles cracked like fireworks. I knew, he went on that only you could get it into the right form. That dusk would draw you back to the place where it came from. But the difficulty was to get into the right form. My experiments were all failures. I tried them on guinea pigs. Some of them only died. Some exploded like little bombs. It was a jolly cruel thing to do, said Diggory, who once had a guinea pig of his own. How do you keep getting off the point, said Uncle Andrew. That's what the creatures were for. I bought them myself. Let me see. Where was I? Yes. But I succeeded in, succeeded in making the rings. Yellow rings. But now a new difficulty arose, I was pretty sure. Now that a yellow ring would send any creature that touched it into the other place. But, but what would be good if that... If I couldn't get them back to tell me they'd, they'd found there. And what about them? Said Diggory. A nice mess they'd be if they couldn't get back. Will you keep on looking on everything from the wrong point of view? Said Uncle Andrew with a look of impatience. Can't you understand that this thing was a great experiment? The whole point of sending anyone to the other place is that I want to find out what it's like. Well, why don't you go there yourself then? Dagger had hardly ever seen anyone look so surprised and offended his uncle did at a simple question. Me? Me? He exclaimed. The boy must be mad. 
a man at the time of my life, and in my state of health, to risk the shock and the dangers of being flung suddenly into a different universe? I have never heard anything so preposterous in my life. Do you believe what you are saying? Think about what another world means. You might be, you might meet anything, anything. Well, and I suppose you said poorly into it and said Diggory. His cheeks were flaming with anger now. And all I can say, he added, even if you were my uncle, and is that you would behave like a coward, sending a girl to a place you're afraid to go to yourself. Silence, sir, said Uncle Andrew, bringing his hand down on the table. I will not be talked to like that by a little dirty schoolboy. You don't understand. I am the great scholar, the magicians, the adept, who is doing the experiment. Of course, I need subjects to do it on. Bless my soul. You'll be telling me. Next, I ought to have asked the guinea pig's permission before I used them. No great wisdom can be reached without sacrifice. But the idea of going myself is ridiculous. It's like asking a general to fight as a common soldier. Supposing I got killed. What would become of my life's worst? Oh, stop jawing, said Diggory. Are you going to bring Polly back? I was going to tell you until you so rudely interrupted me, said Uncle Andrew. That I did that at last to find out a way of doing the return journey. The retreat, the green rings draw you back. Polly ain't got a green ring. No, said Uncle Andrew, with a cruel smile. Then she can't get back, shouted Diggory. That's exactly the same as if you had murdered her. She can get back, said Uncle Andrew. If someone else would go after her, wearing a yellow ring himself and taking two green wings. One to bring himself back and one to bring her back. And of course Diggory saw the trap in which he was caught. And he stared at Uncle Andrew saying nothing with his mouth wide open. His cheeks had gone very pale. I hope, said Andrew in a, presently in a very high and mighty voice, just as if he were a perfect uncle who had given a, one a handsome tip and some good advice. I hope, Diggory, you are not given to showing the white feather. I should be very sorry to think that any one of our family had not enough honor and chivalry to get to the aid of her, uh, uh, a lady in distress. Well, shut up, said Diggory. If you had any honor and all that, you'd be going yourself. But I know you won't. All right, I see I've got to go, but you are a beast. I suppose you planned the whole thing so that she'd go without knowing it and I'd have to go over her. Said Uncle Andrew with his hateful smile. Very well, I'll go. But this, but there's one thing I jolly well mean to say first. I don't believe in magic till today. I see now it's real. Well, if it is, I suppose all the old fairy tales are, are more or less true. And you are simply a wicked, cruel magician, like the ones in the stories. Well, I've never read a story which people that of that sort weren't paid out in the end. Well, about you will be, and serve you right. Of all things, Diggory had said this, 
of all the things Diggory had said, this was the first that really went home. Uncle Andrew started, and there came a, over his face a look of such horror that, beast though he was, you could almost feel sorry for him. But a, but a second later, he smoothed it all away and said with a rather forced laugh, Well, well, I suppose it's a natural thing for a child to think, brought up among women, as you have been. Old wives' tales, eh? Well, I don't think you need to worry about my danger, Diggory. Wouldn't it be better to worry about the danger of your little friend? She's been gone some time now. If there's any dangers over there, well, it would be pity to arrive a moment too late. Oh, why you care, said Diggory fiercely. But I'm sick of this jaw. What I've got to do? You really must learn to control your temper of yours, my boy, said Uncle Andrew coolly. Otherwise, you'll grow up just like your Aunt Letty. Now, attend to me. He got up, put on a pair of gloves, and walked over to the tray that contained the rings. They only work if they're actually touching your skin. Wearing gloves, I can pick them up like this, and nothing happens. If you carried one in your pocket, nothing would happen. But of course, you have to be careful not to put your hand in the pocket and touch it by accident. The moment you touch a yellow ring, you vanish out of this world. When you're in the other place, I expect, of course, this hasn't been tested yet. I expect the moment you touch a green ring, you vanish out of that world, and I expect reappear in this. Now, I take these two greens and drop them into your right hand pocket. Remember this very carefully, and which pocket means the greens are in. G for green and R for right. G, R, you're right, which are the first two letters of green. One for you and one for the little girl. And you, and you now you, sh you should pick up a yellow one for yourself. I should put it on, on your finger, if I were you. There would be less chance of dropping it. Just Diggory had almost picked up the yellow ring when he suddenly checked himself. Look here, he said. What about Mother? Suppose she asks where I am. The sooner you go, the sooner you'll be back, said Uncle Andrew cheerfully. But you don't really know whether I can get back. Uncle Andrew shrugged his shoulders, walked across the door, unlocked it, threw it open, and said, Oh, very well then, just as you please. Go down and have your dinner. Leave this little girl to be eaten by wild animals, or drowned, or starved in the overworld, other world, and lost there for good. If that's what you prefer. It's all one to me. Perhaps before tea time you better drop in on Miss Plummer and explain that She'll never see her daughter again because you're afraid to put on a ring. By gum, said Dollary, Diggory. I, don't I just wish I was big enough to punch her head. Then he buttoned up his coat and took a deep breath and picked up the ring. And he thought then, as he always thought afterward too, that he could not decently have done anything else. That is the end of chapter two. Chapter 3, The Wood Between the Worlds Uncle Andrew and his study vanished instantly. Then, for a moment, everything became muddled. The next thing Diggory knew was that there was a soft green light coming down on him from above and the darkness below. He didn't seem to be standing on anything or sitting or lying. Nothing appeared to be touching him. 
because I believe I'm in water, said Diggory. Or underwater. This frightened him for a second. But almost at once he could feel he was rushing upwards. Then his head suddenly came out into the air and found himself scrambling ashore. Out on to the smooth, grassy ground at the edge of the pool. He arose to his feet that he noticed that he was neither dripping nor panting for breath as anyone expect after being underwater. His clothes were perfectly dry. He was standing by the edge of a small pool, not more than ten feet from side to side, in a wood. The trees grew close together and were so leafy that he could not get no glimpse of the sky. All the light was green light that came through the leaves. But there had must been a very strong sun overhead, for this green daylight was bright and warm. It was the quietest wood you could possibly imagine. There were no birds, no insects, no animals, no winds. You could almost feel the trees growing. The pool he had just got out of was not the only pool. There were dozens of others, a pool every few yards as far as, as his eyes could reach. He could almost feel the trees drinking the water up with their roots. This wood was very much alive. When he tried to describe it afterwards, Diggory always said it was a rich place, rich as a plum cake. The strangest thing was that almost before he had looked about him, Diggory had half forgotten how he came there. At any rate, he was certainly not thinking about Polly or Uncle Andrew or even his mother. He was not in the least frightened or excited or curious. If anyone would have asked him, where did you come from? He would probably have said, I have always been here. That was what it felt like. If one, as if one had always been in that place and never been bored through nothing has ever happened. Then he said long afterward, it's not the sort of place where things happen. The trees go on growing, that's all. After Diggory looked at the woods for a long time, he noticed there was a girl lying on her back at the foot of a tree a few yards away. Her eyes were nearly shut, but not quite, as if she were just between sleeping and waking. So she looked at her for a long time and said nothing. And at last, she opened her eyes and looked at him for a long time. And she also said nothing. Then she spoke in a dreamy, contented sort of voice. I think I've seen you before, she said. I rather think so, too, said Diggory. Have you been here long? Oh, always, said the girl. At least I don't know a very long time. So have I, said Diggory. No, you haven't, she said she. I've, I've just seen you come out of that pool. Yes, I suppose I did, said Diggory, with a puzzled air. I'd forgotten. Then, quite, then for quite a long time, neither said any more. Look here, said the girl presently. I wonder, did we really ever meet before? I had a sort of idea, a sort of a picture in my head, of a boy and a girl, like us, living somewhere quite different, and doing all sorts of things. Perhaps it was only a dream. I've had that dream, I think, said Diggory, about a boy and a girl living next door and, and something about crawling among rafters. I remember the girl had a dirty face. 
aren't you getting that mixed? In my dream, it said the boy had a dirty face. I can't remember the boy's face, said Diggory. And then he added, Hello, what's that? Why, it's a guinea pig, said girl. And it was a fat guinea pig, nosing up in and about in the grass. But in the middle of the guinea pig, there ran a tape. Tied onto it by the tape was a bright yellow ring. Look, look, said Diggory, the ring, and look, you've got one on your finger, and so have I. The girl sat it up, really interested at last. They stared very hard at one another, trying to remember exactly at the same moment she shouted out, Mr. Catterley! And then he shouted out Uncle Andrew, and they knew who they were and began to remember the whole story. After a few minutes of hard talking, they had got it straight. Diggory explained how beastly Uncle Andrew had been. What should we do now, said Polly, take the guinea pig and go home? And go home? There's no hurry, said Diggory, huge yawn. I think there is, said Polly. This place is too quiet. It's so, so dreamy. You're almost asleep. As if we once give in and we shall lie down and drowse forever and ever. It's very nice here, said Diggory. Yes, it is, said Polly. We've got to get back. She stood up and began to go cautiously towards the guinea pig. But then she changed her mind. Well, we might as well leave the guinea pig, she said. It's perfectly happy here. And your uncle will do only do something horrid if we take it home. I bet he would, said Diggory. Look at the way he treated us. By the way, how do we get home? We go back to the pool, I expect. They came and stood together at the edge, looking down to the smooth water. It was full of the reflection of the green, leafy branches. They made it look very deep. We haven't any bathe things, things, said Polly. We shan't need them, silly, said Diggory. We're going in with our clothes on. Don't you remember? It didn't wet us on the way up. Can you swim? A bit, can you? Well, not much. I don't think we shall need to swim, said Diggory. We want to go down, don't we? Neither of them liked the idea of jumping into that pool, but neither said so to each other. They took hands and said, one, two, three, go, and they jumped. And there was a great splash, and of course they closed their eyes. But when they opened them again, they found they were still standing hand in hand in that green wood, and hardly up to their ankles in the water. The pool was apparently a couple of inches deep. They splashed back onto dry ground. Dry ground. What on earth has gone wrong? Said Polly in a frightened voice. Not, not, but not quite so frightened as you might expect. Because it is hard to feel really frightened in that wood. The place is too peaceful. Oh, I know," said Diggory. "Of course it won't work. We're still wearing our yellow rings. They're for the outward journey, you know. The green ones take you home. We must change rings. Have you got pockets?" Good. Put your yellow ring in your left. I've got two greens. Here's one for you. But they put on their green rings and came back to the pool. Before they tried another jump, Diggory gave a long, ooh. What's the matter, said Polly. I just had a really wonderful idea, said Diggory. What are, what are all the other pools? How do you mean? Why? If we can get back to our own world by jumping in this pool, mightn't we get somewhere else by jumping into the others? 
Supposing there's a world at the bottom of every pool. But I always thought we were ready in your uncle's, Uncle Andrew's other world or other place or whatever you called it. Didn't you say? Oh, don't bother. Uncle Andrew interrupted Diggory. I don't believe he knows anything about it. He never had the pluck to come here himself. He only talked of one other world. But suppose there were dozens. You mean this wood might only be one of them? No, I believe this wood is a world at all. I think it's a sort of an in-between place. Diggory looks puzzled. Don't you see, said Diggory. No, do listen. Think of our tunnel under the slates at home. It isn't a room of any of the houses. In a way, it isn't really part of any of the houses. But once you're in the tunnel, you can go along it and come out to any of the houses in the row. Mightn't this wood be the same? A place that isn't in any of the world. But once you've found a place, you can get into them all. Well, even if you can, it began Polly. But Diggory went on as if he hadn't heard her. Well, of course that explains everything, he said. That's why it's so quiet and sleepy here. Nothing ever happens here. Like at home, it's in the houses that people talk and do things and have meals. Nothing goes on in the in-between places, behind the walls and above the ceilings and under the floors, or in your own tunnel. But when you come out of your tunnel, it may, you may find yourself in any house. I think we can get out of this place into Jolly Well anywhere. We don't need to jump back into the same pool we came up by. Or not just yet. Ah, <sighs> the wood between the worlds, said Polly dreamily. It sounds rather nice. Come on, said Diggory. What pool sh should we try? Look here, said Polly. I'm not going to try any new pool until we make sure we can come back by the old one. We're not even sure if it'll work yet. Yes, said Diggory, and get caught by Uncle Andrew and have her ranks taken away before we've had any fun. No thanks. Could we just go part of the way down into our own pool? Said Diggory, just to see if it works. Then if it does, we'll change ranks and come up again before we're really back in Mr. Kedrick's study. Can we go part of the way down? Well, it took time coming up. So I suppose I'll take another t time going back. Diggory made rather a fuss about agreeing to this. But in the end, because Polly absolutely refused to do any exploring in the new worlds until she made sure about getting back to the old one. She was quite brave, as he was about some dangerous wasps, for instance. But she was not so interested in finding out things that nobody ever heard of before. For Diggory, was a sort of person who wants to know everything. And when he grew up, he became the, the famous Professor Kirk who comes into other books. After a good deal of arguing, they agreed to put on their green rings. Green rings for safety, said Diggory. So he can't help remembering which is which. And hold hands and jump. But as soon as they seemed to get back to Uncle Andrew's study, or even to their own world, Polly was to shout change, and they had slip off their greens and put on their yellows. Diggory wanted to be the wanted to be the one who shouted change, but Polly wouldn't agree. They put on their green rings, took hands, and they shouted, 
One, two, three, go! This time it worked. It was very hard to tell you what it felt like, but for everything happened so quickly. At first there were bright lights moving about in a dark sky. Jess Diggory always thinks these stars and even swears that he saw Jupiter quite close, quite close enough to see its moon. But almost at once, there were rows and rows of roofs and chimneys pots about them. They could see St. Paul's and they knew they were looking at London. But you could see the walls of all the houses. They could see Uncle Andrew, very vague and shadowy, but getting clearer and more solid looking all the time, as if he were com coming into focus. Before he became quite real, Polly shouted, change, and they did change, and, the, and our world faded away like a dream. And the green light above grew stronger and stronger, till their heads came out of the pool and they scrambled ashore. There And there was wood all about them, as green and bright and still as ever, the whole thing has taken less than a minute. There, said Figory. All right, now for the adventure. Any pool will do. Come on, let's try that one. Stop, said Diggory. Aren't we going to mark this pool? They stared at each other and turned right as they realized the dreadful thing that Diggory had just been going to do. For, that, for there was any number of pools in the woods, and the pools were all alike, and the trees were all alike. So that if they left, if they once left behind the pool that led to our own world without making some sort of landmark, their chances had, would have been a hundred to one against their ever finding it again. Diggory hands was shaking as he opened his pen, pen knife and cut out a long string of turf on the bank of the pool. The soil, which smelled nice, was of reddish, rich reddish brown, and showed up well against the green. It is a good thing one of us has some sense, said Polly. Oh, oh, well, don't keep on gassing about it, said Diggory. Come along. I want to see what's in one of the other pools. And Diggory gave him a pretty sharp answer, and he said something even nastier in reply. A quarrel lasted for several minutes, but it would be dull to write it down. Let us skip on to the moment which they stood with beating hearts and rather scared faces to the unknown pool with their yellow rings on and held hands and once more said three, two, one, go! Splash! Once again, it hadn't worked. This pool, too, appeared to be only a puddle. Instead of reaching to the new world, they only got their feet wet and splashed their legs. For the second time that morning, if it was a morning, it, it seemed to be always at the same time in the wood between the worlds. Blast and botheration, exclaimed Diggory. What has gone wrong now? We've put our yellow rings all right. He said yellow for the outward journey. The, now the truth was that Uncle Andrew, who knew nothing about the wood between the worlds, having qu had quite a wrong idea about the rings. The yellow r ones were not the outward rings, and the green ones were homeward rings at least. Not in the way he thought. The stuff which both were made had all come from the wood. The stuff in the yellow rings had a power of drawing into the wood. It was the stuff that once you get back to its own place, the in-between place. But the stuff in the green rings was the stuff trying to get you out of its own place. 
so that a green ring would take you out of the wood into a world. Uncle Andrew, you see, was working with things that he did not really understand. Most musicians, of, most musicians are. Of course, they would not realize the truth till quite clearly later. But when they had talked it over, they decided to try their green rings on the new pool, just to see what happened. I'm game if you are, said Polly. But she really said this because, in her heart of hearts, she now, she now felt sure neither kind of ring was going to work at all in the new pool, so there was nothing worse to be afraid than another splash. I'm not quite sure what Diggory had not the same feeling. At any rate, when they put both on their greens and came back to the edge of the water, and taking hands again, they were certainly a good deal more cheerful and less solemn than they had been the first time. One, two, three, go, said Diggory, and they jumped. Well, that is it for chapter three. Bye.